Good morning. Hey, so good to see all of you today. If you're a guest, I want to say welcome to the Grove. If you don't know me, my name is Eric Matoy, a pastor here, and uh, just thrilled you're here with us today. I want to say I welcome all those tuning in online. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we're in part two of a, of a series called Worship, and uh, I'm excited for this series. As we go through the month of June, we'll be talking about, about worship. Um, and so I'm going to catch us up to week one, so you have an idea of what we talked about last week. Uh, but if you want to know more, I would encourage you to go back and listen. You can catch up on our podcast or on our Facebook to see what was last week's message. I'd highly recommend it because it sets the tone for what we're talking about. Um, we said this, that everybody, all of us, we all worship something or someone. Every single one of us. Every human being is bent to worship something. If they can't find something or someone, eventually they'll worship themselves or make it about themselves. Uh, because something when, as, as, cre- as cre- creator, creation, uh, we have a, something inside of us that's always looking for purpose and meaning outside of ourselves. So we're looking for that. And we put that, that we look in different places to try to fill that meaning and purpose in our lives. And so we'll, we'll find something. Because really what worship is, worship is a response to what we value most. Really, that's what the word worship means. It's something that we value. We put, put, put as a highest value or a higher value than other things. And so um, when we place something of a high value in our lives, say this is the most important, that's the thing that we become, that becomes worship in our lives. Um, and sometimes we can switch those things out, right? We worship this time for a while, worship something different. Um, but we all worship something, all of us. And so that's why we have to be very careful on what we choose or who we choose to worship. Because whatever we worship, we become obsessed with. And we begin to, uh, we become obsessed with them, we begin to imitate them, and eventually we become like that, like that thing that we're worshiping. So if you don't like who you're becoming, really the, the question is, who exactly are you worshiping? What are your values and where have they been placed? Because we become like that, what we choose to worship. Whatever you choose to worship, you'll become like that. So whatever gets your attention is eventually going to get you and eventually get your heart, uh, which means that it'll eventually get your behavior and your actions also. So I think this is the reason why God is saying, make sure you pay attention to what you worship, um, it's not because he's a God saying, I, I need your worship, like I can't live without it. No, he's saying that for us as human beings, whatever we choose to worship will impact the direction of our life, the outcome of our life, and it'll even impact the results that we're getting on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And so um, our belief always determines our behavior, which ultimately determines who we become. And so every week, I'm going to show you this, but we'll just review from last week. I showed you what's called the results cycle. And the results cycle is a, is, a, is a diagram. It shows you exactly how you get the results that you're getting. So in life, whenever you get results in something you don't like, you have to go back to the beginning of saying, why exactly am I getting these results? And if, if you like the results, then this will give you an understanding of why you're getting the results that you, that you are getting and that, why they're good. But essentially we said this, that our beliefs, that's what we hold true about people, our, what we hold true to be about God, about power, about relationships, about work, about money. Whatever it is that we believe about someone or something, or things, right, they will impact and determine um, our behavior. So what we believe determines our behavior, and that's how we, how we act, how we interact with others or with our coworkers or our boss or even with things, uh, which then influences our behavior, then influences the quality of our relationships that we have uh, with those things or with those people. So your, your belief impacts your behavior, which impacts the quality of relationships you have, which then give you the results that you see in life. So the results you're getting is because of the choices you've made on what, how, what to put as most valuable in your life, what to think about, what to focus on. And then the results that you get, they only reinforce the beliefs that you have. So if it's a negative belief that leads to negative behavior, that leads to negative relationships, well, you get negative results, which then only reinforce why you should have these negative beliefs, right? And it's just a cycle that keeps going. So when you think negative, negatively about something, you'll get negative results, which then just reinforce more negativity. So to break that, you have to have a pattern disruption. We talked about last week and says you have to change really in the beginning your beliefs. And today we're going to talk about that. When it, when it comes to worship, um, the results that God wants us to have is he wants, wants our lives to work. And he created our lives to work in a specific way. 
And so in life, whenever you find something's not working, you can track it back to saying, I've gotten off track somewhere. What exactly am I doing that, that God has said you shouldn't do that? Because here's, here's what I know. God's ways work, and every other way, it doesn't. It might, might look like it works for a little while, but eventually it'll all fall apart. Uh, you don't have to look very far in culture to see that when culture says this is how it should be, this is what we should put the most valuable, this is what you should chase with your life, not, not f- that far into it, you realize like this is not a big enough thing to put my life into. Like it's not, it's not large enough. There's not enough money in the world to satisfy and make me happy. There's not enough pleasure in this world that can satisfy and give me m- meaning and purpose in my life. And so God is saying when, when you choose to worship something, choose very wisely because you will become like the very thing that you worship. And so where is that thing leading to you to? Well, it, it, if you look far enough down the road, you'll see that it's leading you to something that, is, is, um, that it won't be able to give you or, or the results it will give you will be negative. And so we said that biblical worship is the full life response. It's our head, it's our heart, and it's our hands to who God is and what he has done. Essentially, it's a response of saying, I recognize who I am on this, in this story and I recognize who God is. And yes, we do have a part in it, but God's, God is saying there's something more than just your part. And we tend as humans to make it all about us. It's a selfish bent inside of us to make everything about us. Uh, we are very selfish by nature, and we want things to be about us. And so real worship is saying, okay, how can I turn my attention away from me to God? And in the middle of that, how can I worship with my, my, my intellect, my thoughts? How can I worship with my heart, my values there, core values, and my hands? And so for next week, we're going to talk about that, all right? And uh, when it comes to worship, we tend to think worship is just what we do in church. Like Sunday coming to church, that's, that's your, your, your weekly worship, right? Like I got my worship, I did it, now I can go on and do everything else. Well, biblical worship is different. It's not saying it's a one-time thing. It's not saying it's once a, once a week or for an hour or two hours or whatever. It's not just reading the Bible or praying or singing songs, although that is included in worship. It's really what you do on a daily basis. So your work, your parenting, your relationships, your interactions with things, the things you choose, those can all be acts of worship. In fact, your washing dishes can be an act of worship. Your working and building something can be an act of worship. How you treat others can be a form and act of worship. And that's what, what, what biblical worship is, is. It's a lifestyle, a full life response to really what God has done, who he is. And when you recognize that, the natural response is just to give him the thanks and the praise and to, to magnify him, to lift him up in the middle of that. Um, so the battles, really the battles we face in life, they're really over the values that we have. Every battle you face will be over a value. If you fight with your spouse, it's because there's a value in your life that is saying something about that fight. If you're in, in school, uh, whatever you choose to, to pursue, it's because of the values that have been installed, instilled in us growing up. Because really, the battle for our values, it, it really goes through our minds and the lessons and the influences that we face on a daily basis. So it's important that we pay attention. Uh, in fact, there's a couple of verses that we'll, we'll go over to hold a, kind of the, the, the series together. John 4, uh, 24. Uh, 23 and 24 says this, it is who you are and the way that you live that count before God. So God is looking for worshipers. Jesus is telling a, a, a Samaritan woman. So God is looking for worshipers. Throughout the scripture, he's saying, make sure you know who you put first, whoever you're worshiping. God says, put me at the top of the list because it'll work out when you do. When you don't, it doesn't work. He says, it's who you are and the way you live. That is biblical worship. It's, it's all-encompassing, not just a Sunday, but a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, uh, how, you, how you act with others, right? Interact with others. Now, so your worship, it must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. So it's saying it engages something in t- in, uh, deep within, the interior part of us, that it engages the, tr- the pursuit of truth, looking for what works, for what's real, for what's right. And that's the kind of people the Father's look- looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves, in adoration. Romans 12 talks about worship in, in, in verse 1 and 2. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, 
Take your everyday, your ordinary life, that's your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life. You can add to that, hanging out with your kids in your, in your relationships, right? And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So everything you do, if you learn to place that before God, that's what real biblical worship is. It's saying, in the middle of what I'm doing, this, is, this could be a form of worship. And exactly in this moment, who am I worshiping or what am I worshiping? Um, and and if, you, if you have this, this idea of worship as saying everything, our lifestyle is worship, then it's easy to answer the question, in this moment, who exactly am I worshiping or what am I worshiping? Is it pursuit of, of pleasure, pursuit of wealth, pursuit of power? Or in the middle of this, am I saying, God, I'm doing things for you, and I want you to lead me on this journey? Um, and it goes on and says, don't become so well-adjusted that you fit into your culture without thinking about it, right? Instead, fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, because that's how God works, from the inside out. He's concerned with the outside, but he's also saying there's something in, in the inside that has to change. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture that drag, drags you around down to its level of maturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. So God is trying to elevate and help you to become a healthier person, a healthier individual, a healthy, healthier father, uh, spouse, right, mother, uh, daughter, student. He wants us to be the best that we can be. So he's saying in the middle of this, if, if biblical worship is a full-life response of our head, our, our heart, and our hands to what God has done, who he is, then what does that look like to live on a, on a weekly basis, a daily basis of saying, God, I put you first. I live in a way that would honor you. Right, another translation of Romans 12 in the New Testament, uh, the New International Version, uh, it says it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So let me just stop for a moment. Uh, if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, maybe you came as a guest, you're, just, you're here to visit, or maybe you just have never put your faith in, in Christ or God. Um, this passage, Paul is directly talking to those that say, hey, you're, you've, you decided to follow Christ. You're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. Here's what I want you to do. So as I, some of these verses we're talking about in worship, like the principles will apply to you even if you're not a Christian. But in this moment, he's talking directly to Christians, saying, here's, here's what you have to learn about the world. And so as we talk on Sundays, we really point out the, the biblical principles that say, here's how life, God says life works. So if you're not a Christian, you can choose and pick. There's no pressure. Uh, I believe that if you apply these principles, you'll begin to see the results because God says when you, when you put him first, when you, when you do it his way, things work. Right, And so even as a church, our, our desire is to help everybody at every stage of their journey. So if you come in and you, you're not a Christ follower, we're going to give you some tools to help you have a, the best life you could possibly have. Our ultimate concern, though, is that at the end of the day, that you would, you would trust God with your life. And I'll give you an opportunity to do that at the end. And, and you'll turn what you're learning into action on, the, on a daily basis, a weekly basis. And our, our biggest concern is the eternal impact of your life and how God wants to use your life. So he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, talking to other believers, in view of God's mercy... And notice what he says, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So in, in, in the time he was writing this, people knew what sacrifices were, right? There was all kinds of temples and all kinds of gods and all kinds of, of worship. Same thing that happens in our culture, right? We, we might not take the sacrifices like uh, animals still, uh, but we worship at some temple or some god. We worship something in our lives. It could be sports. It could be entertainment. It could be pleasure, whatever. We're worshiping somewhere. So he's saying, um, take, why don't you take your, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, so that's a, that's a change in the, in the way of talking about something. So they knew what an animal sacrifice was. They would take it. And here he's saying, what if you became a living sacrifice? So instead of dying on the altar, right, of, uh, and being done one time, what if you lived a life of continual sacrifice? That on Monday you say, God, today, can, can you use my life for good? And then on Tuesday, so instead of saying, I want everything about me, you'd say, God, can, can you work through me to make a difference in this world? See, living sacrifice is a daily thing saying, I'm offering what I have, who I am, as a living sacrifice. In fact, worship and sacrifice, they're, they're almost the same word in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, what you do in your service to God, that is worship also. 
So it's a holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul's saying, as you lay down your life, as you live for him on a daily basis, that is what real worship is and true worship is. And he goes on and says this. Notice how worship is tied to this next statement. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't just go through life, you know, not, not just to fit in. Don't go in through, through the motions or just listening to all the influences. They're not thinking about it. Don't just, don't just conform to the patterns, but be transformed. So he's saying don't just, don't just conform to what's going on, but be transformed. The, the word there for transformed is the metamorphosis, right? We see this caterpillar who's kind of ugly. He goes into this cocoon, and we don't see what's happening, but on the inside, he is transforming into, into a beautiful butterfly, or she's transforming into a beautiful butterfly, right? And as this, as this process is happening inside, it's unseen, unknown, something is taking place. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Let God do something in your life, and it starts on the inside. And sometimes people don't even really recognize it immediately, but something will happen, and all of a sudden, something will, will be changed inside of it, and you'll become like a beautiful butterfly. You'll be, you'll be transformed, right? And he says it by, by doing this, by renewing your mind. Why would you have to renew your mind? Well, throughout our life, as we go through life, we get all these messages and all these influences and things that are told to us, right, about what life should be, what we should pursue, what's really going to make you happy. Uh, what's going to really satisfy? And we get all these thoughts and ideas, and then we get these negative words that are spoken to us and words that, that bring some death into our life, that hurt, that, that begin to cause us to be insecure. And we begin to take on these things, and we catch and we conform to all these voices. And he's saying, but the way you, you are transformed is by you renewing your mind. And neuroscience tells us that we can have new thoughts. The synapses, that, that those thoughts that, that take place inside your mind, they can actually be tra- changed. You're not stuck with some of these thoughts and some of these ideas forever. You can actually change them, which for, for thousands of years, the Bible's been saying that, right? For a couple thousand years, the Bible's been saying, you can change your life if you'll learn to renew your mind. Then you'll be able to what? Test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and perfect will. I don't know about you, but on a weekly basis, daily basis, I'm, I'm saying, God, what does that look like to, to fulfill your purposes? What does your will look like in my life? How many of you guys this week would like to fulfill all the purposes and plan God has for your life? Well, Paul's saying, if you will... Be transformed, renew your mind, you'll be able to test and approve what God is wanting you to do. And notice what it is. It's his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. Like he has some great plans for you, some good plans, some pleasing plans. That sounds like a good week, right? A good week, pleasing week, and a perfect week, perfect will. Well, you only discover that by being able to renew your mind, be able to, to, to um, figure out what God is asking you to do. And what's interesting in, this, in this, this whole chapter is for 11 chapters, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome, and, he, and he's defining what the world and where it's led us to and the ideas. And then he's defining doctrine and saying this is what, who God is, this is what he believes, what we should believe. And, and then he gets to this point in, in verse, uh, chapter 12 where it shifts from just knowing things to now acting and doing things. In fact, if you read all of chapter 12 of Romans, you'll begin to see gives us some practical steps on how we can live a life of worship. But it starts, notice where it starts. You have to choose to live, be a living sacrifice, and you have to choose to focus on what your, what your, your thoughts are. And then he goes on and says this. He says, don't, don't, you think, don't think better of yourself than you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by the faith that God has given you. So he's saying it, it has to start in the mind. Our thoughts impact our behavior. Our thoughts impact the direction of our life. Um, in fact, when he starts off Romans, Romans 1, let me read this for you. This is where he says when, when people choose to worship other things that are, that are not God, this is what happens. For although they knew God, so at some point these people he's talking about, they knew of God. They might even had a relationship with God. I don't know, but they, at some point they knew what God was wanting. But they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking, notice what he says, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Their hearts were darkened because of the thinking and the things that they began to choose to listen to, the influences they had in their life. And they became darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal gods for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. What's he saying? They chose to exchange the goodness of God for the things that they could control and manage. And in this case, they actually made um, images and they worshiped different things like animals, reptiles. You might be thinking, well, I don't have images or I don't worship animals, reptiles. No, but you worship something. And whatever's at the top of your list, that's what you're worshiping because you're saying that is what's most valuable to me. That's where I spend my most energy and my time. And he's saying what happened is they chose to say, I'd rather have pleasure and I'll worship this false god. And, and, and really when, whenever what religion does is it makes, it makes these, um, these, these images, these, these ideas really based around who we are. And so like even, even today what's really popular is a lot of people will, uh, that, a lot of new age ideas is you just pick and choose from whatever's out there. Like they all work, right? All these religions, they all point the same way. Sure, right? So let's just pick a little bit of that. No, they don't. What, what, that, what that is saying is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be my own God. I'm going to just pull and choose from these things, and I'll make it really about me. I really don't like what Jesus said about that part, so I'm, I'm going to ignore that part. But he said something good there, so I'm going to choose that. And I'm going to choose a little bit of this person, that person, and what they say. And, they, and, and many times what we, what we do is the word we use is tolerate, right, everything. But when you begin to tolerate things, you, you begin to open yourselves up to anything and everything. And you're in danger because then you begin to get the results that God says you'll get, which are negative, because... Really, the, the, the religion or the God that you've created is really a picture of your desires and your wants, not God. So really, you're not bound in need, need to any God. You're bound in need to yourself saying, I choose what I want, not what somebody else wants. And God is saying when we do that, our hearts will be darkened. Our thinking will become futile. And all of a sudden, we'll, we'll exchange. And this, this is a negative exchange. Instead of having the goodness of God, we have the things that the world offers and tells us they're good. And we, we begin to exchange it for them. Um, and, and notice what it says, they became fools. You know, I don't know about, about you, when you look at culture, sometimes what people, popular, popular culture says we should accept or, or do or uh, what's wise, you, you look at that and you think, well, who is thinking that's a good idea? Like, that is so foolish. But in their minds, it's like, this is wisdom, right? Well, it's a world, it's a human wisdom. And in the end, it's not going to produce what they want. So we have to learn to say, God, how can I have that? So here's, here's what I want to talk about today as we talk about what, if, if if uh, a, a biblical worship is, is a, a life of uh, our head, our heart, and our hands, what would it look like in our heads to, to have worship? We've got to start with the head when it comes to worship because our thoughts, they inform our direction. Your thoughts are informing your direction. They're giving you the results that you're getting because you've been thinking them for a long time. They're going to lead you there. So we have to pay very close attention to what we're thinking because our thoughts are going to determine our actions, and eventually they'll, they'll put us on a path. Uh, Proverbs 4.26 says this, Give careful thought to the path for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Notice what he's saying. Pay attention to where you're going, the direction of your life. Pay attention to what your thoughts are. Pay attention to where you're going because there's a path that your life is choosing to go. And it starts in your mind. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple, they believe anything. But the prudent, they give thought to their steps. There's a thought process saying, Is this the right direction I need to be going? Is this what God has for me? Uh, Paul says in first, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, He says, We demolish arguments and every pre- pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive of every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He said we have to pay attention to our thoughts. In fact, when we get to this, we get this tension that we live with, right, of, of culture saying this one thing, but God is saying something different. He's saying, hey, take captive of that thought and say, how can I, God, I invite you into this moment where there's this negative thought. Help me to have a positive thought. In this moment where I have this tension of, of trying to believe what everybody's saying, what do you say about this, God? And we invite God into the process to lead us. And guide us. Our thoughts are so, so important. They impact the direction of our life. You know, I heard a story about this man, John, and 
he lived in a, uh, during this time of the year, just like we have, you know, the rain came and all these weeds grew in his yard. And uh, he went out one day to try to clean his yard and his lawnmower went start and it was broken. So he's kind of bummed. He's like, man, I don't want to do it by hand all the time. So he's just discouraged. He's like, well, I remember my friend Tom down the road, my neighbor, he has, he has a lawnmower. Um, I should go to Tom's and ask him for the lawnmower. So he starts the journey walking to his neighbor's house and he's walking. He's thinking about, about the, uh, the process, right? I'm asking Tom, I wonder if he's going to say yes. Maybe I'll say no. Man, I don't know if he does really like me. I'm not sure. And he thinks, well, what if, what, if, what if Tom's using his lawnmower? Maybe I should go back home. He'd probably just be using it. I'd pr- he'd probably say no. And he said, no, I'll just keep going. So he keeps walking. He thinks, well, what, what, if, what if Tom's lawnmower is about to break just like mine is? And what if I borrow it and then it breaks and then now I have to buy him a lawnmower and myself a lawnmower? And man, what, what, if, what if Tom doesn't want me to borrow the lawnmower? You know, last time I asked for Tom, he kind of sounded like he wasn't really sure about lending me something. And I'm just not really sure. So as John gets closer to Tom's house, he's, look, he's fighting in his mind about, about what, what's going to take place. And finally knocks on the door, and Tom opens the door, and John says, just keep your stupid lawnmower, Tom, all right? And goes home. We laugh, but a lot of us do this on a daily basis or a weekly basis. We go into situations with our mind made up, our thought process saying this is how it's going to be. We show up to work, and we say, whatever, right? Maybe it's a positive, maybe it's a negative thought. We're going home and we say, my spouse is going to be like this. And we make an assumption or we make a thought. And our thought process actually builds us up and leads us to even responses that are negative or, or unhealthy, or they could be a positive response. And on a daily basis, I know the story's kind of funny, but that could be us when it comes to our thought process. And I believe God is saying, when it comes to the mind, Paul's saying, if, if we learn to be the kind of people God wants us to be, those kind of people are paying attention to the thoughts that are there. They're not just not accepting anything that comes. They're not just giving in and going through the motions whatever else is going through. You know, last week I talked about um, missions, tri- missions trips and summer camps. that are super important for our kids to be a part of. And so this last week, um, our students went to summer camp. We sent a good group of them, and they had a blast. And on Friday, I was able to talk with them and ask some of them questions. And uh, they were telling me about the services and, and, and just the experiences they had and the relationships they made and the fun they had, all the games. And what was really, really great is as they were talking, I think the best thing that I liked about the week that they were at is they had to put all their phones away. So there was no, and where they're at, there wasn't really good internet anyways. Uh, but they couldn't, they weren't on social media, you know, weren't on Instagram or Facebook. They weren't, they weren't having all the typical influence they have on a, on a daily basis there. They were free. Instead of looking at somebody's face on the screen, right, and talking to them on FaceTime, they actually had face-to-face time, which is the best kind of time, Right. And they were able to have this, this interaction with other people. Some, some of our leaders did a great job, you know, taking them and leading them. And they had these moments where they, where they had just time to build relationships, which is the most important thing and one of the most important things in life is to be able to interact with others. And during this week, every night they have a service. And what's really great is in these services, they talk about God, they, they sing songs, and they learn something new. We talked about a pattern disruption, right? This would be a pattern disruption in their lives where they, they, are, they experience something about God. They come back home, and now they're a little bit different. Well, that's what we're talking about this whole series is in, in our lives when it comes to the result cycle. If you don't have a pattern, pattern disruption, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes on a weekly basis, you'll keep getting the results that you have. If you like them, keep doing it. But if you don't, you need to change something. So here's what I would say when it comes to Paul saying renew your mind and learn to, um, to trust God. I would say exchange the wrong thought for the, wrong, for the right, right one. Learn to say, all right, God, those people in Romans 1, they exchange your goodness for their ideas, for human wisdom. God, help me not to exchange the influences of my life um, for, for, for yours for, for those things. Help me to choose yours rather than those. Isaiah 5, 8 through 11 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is saying when it comes to life and the things we think about, just know that even your best thoughts, God has even better thoughts. 
He has some ideas for us to help us to be able to, to have a great life. And he goes on and says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So what is he saying? When we learn to have God thoughts, when we learn to hear with the truth that he has, it actually produces something in our lives. There's going to be something produced. In this case, he's saying it's something positive. If you'll learn to have my thoughts. I think of, I think of the rain that comes, you know, in our lives and you know, depending on what seeds are in your life, you're going to even have, either have weeds grow up or you're going to have some fruit grow up, right? Some good things are going to pop up or some negative things are going to pop up. How do you know if they're, they're positive or negative? Well, our thought life, when we're thinking about what we think about, are they positive thoughts or negative thoughts? It's pretty easy to identify the enemy's influence in our life, the thoughts he gives us, and the world's influence in our life. The world is typically about us and our pleasure and what feels good for now. Right? That's the dominating thing is, man, just do what feels good to you. Think about those things. The enemy's is, is typically negative or, or evil or bad, where he wants us to, to, to fo- take our focus and attention off of God. He wants us to question God's goodness, exchange his goodness for something different, right, a lie. And so Isaiah is saying, if you'll learn to trust God, even the words he tells us and speaks to us, they will accomplish something that, that produce something in our lives. Um, and one of the, so once you recognize the thought and then you begin to replace those thoughts, the next thing you're going to learn is, is learn to meditate on the right thoughts. Um, when it comes to meditation, here's the thing, the truth is we all meditate on something all the time. You're thinking about something all the time. See, in Eastern, uh, some Eastern religions, they, they teach that meditation is about emptying the mind. Well, biblical meditation is not about emptying the mind, but rather filling the mind with something good. It's filling, filling our minds with, with, with the word of God. It's filling our minds with his ideas, his truths. And so uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 3, notice what, what the, the, the psalmist says. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. So there's joy for those who don't just go with the flow of culture. Right? They're not just sitting around fitting in with culture. They're paying attention. But they delight. Those that have the joy, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're filling themselves with, the, with, with God's word day and night. There's this process of saying, I want to have thoughts that God has. And notice what he says. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. So the person that's meditating on God's word, he's producing or she's producing something great getting in their life because of what they're focused on. Their leaves, they never wither, and they prosper in all they do. How many of you want to prosper in your marriages? How many of you want to prosper in your schools, schooling and in your workplace? This kind of person prospers in all. Why? Because their thoughts are focused on the right things. Their thoughts are, 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 are being, um, uh, um, they're, they're paying attention to what they're thinking about, and it's producing those results. Because remember, guys, our thoughts are leading us to some kind of result. They're leading us to the results in our lives. Your thought life is going to lead you into that. And, and as God talks about worship, he's saying pay attention, because eventually, essentially what, what's core to you is going to bleed into your behaviors. And the thought is that gatekeeper that says, keep this thought. Don't, don't let that thought ca- captivate you or take captive of your heart. And is the gatekeeper of saying, all right, what am I going to allow in? What am I going to allow out? Uh, what am I going to uh, allow to, to dominate? And what am I going um, to focus on? Um, see, because average thoughts will give us average results. And if, you're, if your results you're getting in your life are average, it's probably because you're having average thoughts. And it's successful people. People that are healthy, they have healthy thoughts. That they're, they're knowing what to do with that. So if we look at the result, result cycle one more time, right? Um, how do we win the cycle? Um, well, uh, here, here's the thing. If, if you, you have to change your beliefs, which means that, that's core to you. We'll talk about that a little more next week. But it starts with our thoughts, thought process. What are you thinking about? 
because that's going to inform your, your values, right? And then once you begin to have the right beliefs, you'll have the right behavior, which you'll have the right relationships, and you'll have the positive results. Well, here's how you win the cycle. You don't, you don't lose, you never lose a bad habit. You'll never just one, way, one day wake up and be like, wow, I don't have that thing no more, right, that you've been struggling with. No, you always replace one habit with another habit. That's how you win habits. And so if it's not strategic in replacing a habit with a better habit, you'll only replace it with an equal habit or a worse habit. And so some people, they try to replace one with sometimes worse habits. And the goal is, that, what is that positive thing that I'm supposed to replace it with? So if you want to win the cycle, you have to replace it with a better habit, with a different habit. So you have to replace your thoughts with a new, a better thought, a better, a, a better understanding. Louis Giglio says, worship and worry, they cannot be in our mouths at the same time. So you have to choose one of them. Are you going to trust God or are you going to worry about the things? Are you going to be anxious about life or are you going to say, God, you have this in your hands? They can't be at the same time. One always, one always displaces the other. You can add anything to that in your thought life. A, a, a negative thought will always displace a positive thought or a positive thought can out displace a negative thought. But you can't hold both of them at the same time. You have to choose which is going to dominate my thinking, which is going to dominate my life. You know, um, um, you have to learn to replace it. I heard a story of a, of a young uh, American soldier in the Korean War, and the story is told of him that says um, his, 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 platoon, his uh, platoon was out fighting, and um, his, his commanding officer gives him the orders and says, hey, you need to go rescue some of your mates that are hurt and injured. And so uh, uh, the, the, the soldier, he kind of stalls a little bit and glances at his watch and, and notice what time it was, and he waits, and the commanding officer eventually leaves, and, and he just sits there behind the bunker. He doesn't move. He's kind of just stalled, and and so one of his one of his uh, other other soldiers says, "Hey, didn't you hear the command? Your 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 uh, command? Like you're supposed to go and go and rescue, go on the rescue mission." And so he glances and watch again, and he doesn't move. And, and the guy's thinking, like, "What's what's going on?" And all of a sudden, he jumps out of the bunker and runs out and begins to rescue people. And uh, he brings him in, and 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 successful. And later that day, his friend asked him, "Like, what in the world was that about?" And this is what he, how he replied. He says, "Well, see, I was afraid because I knew I was not ready to die." I was waiting until my fear would be overcome by the, by the assurance of something better. In that moment, he said, I, was, I, was, I just knew that if I jumped out there, I wasn't ready to die. And the fear was holding me back. He said, I had to wait until the assurance of something better came upon me. And he says what he said. The reason I was looking at my watch is because my mom told me at a specific hour every day she'd be praying for me. And at that moment, I realized my mom's going to be praying for me. I can take them. And he jumped out and charged them. Because why? He replaced his fear with something greater and something better in our lives if we're going to win we have to learn to to replace whatever it is that's keeping us down with something better well how do you do that well as we talk through worship a big part of worship is 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 reading the bible studying the bible learning about god we come on sundays you sitting there and learning something that's a form of worship why because you're saying god i want to become a better person how do i do this and my my hope is every week we give you something you begin to live it out it just gives you another step another way to become the best version of you that you possibly can be and that's really the answer to overcoming and becoming the best is it's, it's one step every single day, every single week of saying, I'm going to choose to do something better. I'm going to choose to have a better thought. I'm going to choose to keep moving forward. Uh, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. So Paul's in prison, um, and, and he's always at the risk of dying. They want to kill him, right? And uh, he's, he's writing a letter uh, to, the, to the Philippian church, church in Philippi, and um, he's... he's um, he, what, what many of us would be, you know, maybe fearful, maybe overwhelmed, maybe frustrated that we're in jail. He's not. Philippians is his happiest letter he wrote from jail. And notice what he says to the, to the church of Philippi. He says, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, whatever you're facing, man, don't let that, that anxiety overcome you. Don't let the fear and the worry overtake you. But, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
That sounds a lot like church, right? When you come to church, you're, 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 you're coming, you're singing songs, you're sitting, you're learning. What's happening? You're, you're putting all those worries to the side. And you're saying, God, what do you want to speak to me today? See, what we do here on Sundays is only a picture of what could happen on a daily basis if we live that same with that same um, worldview and mentality. God, in this moment, man, I don't like whatever's happening at work, but what if I invited you into this? How would you help me to handle this? When I show up to work, God, how can I make this day a day that impacts the people around me? It makes a difference. He says, present your request to God. And then notice, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's even like beyond our understanding. It'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. When we do this, something happens. It begins to guard our minds and our hearts, right? It begins to help us to see something we're not seeing. And he goes on and says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, uh, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then he gives us the, the key. He said, all right, so if you want to know essentially what he's doing in prison, right? He's not focusing on the negative. He's not focusing on the bad. Paul, they're telling him, hey, Paul, you need to stop, stop, stop preaching or we're going to put you in prison. Great. I'll be able to write letters. All right, Paul, we're going to kill you if you don't stop talking. Great. I'll go to heaven and be with, with Christ. There's, it's a win-win for me. No matter what, he had the positive mindset of saying, I, I understand what God is doing here and I'm focused on what he wants to do, not on the negative. So he says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. Those are the things you should be thinking about. So you want to know in, in your daily life of thinking about things, well, if you, if you know you should keep the thought, well, it's going to be right or true, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And you'll know if, if the thought you should replace with something better is because it's going to be opposite of those. It's going to be false, which is probably the biggest thing that we have to overcome in our lives is the lies that have been told to us by others, by the enemy, that we begin to believe about ourselves with insecurities that keep us back. We have to replace those with something that's true. Well, what is true? God says, I'm going to help you on this journey if you'll just trust me. And we begin to put our trust in that. And Paul says, just, if, if you'll think about these things, you'll have better results in your life. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4 says, you will, keep, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. What he's saying? In worship, our hearts and our attention turns to God and says, God, I put my trust in you. And when we do that, our minds are set on him. And all of a sudden, instead of focusing on everything that's not working, we begin to say, God, what is working? And what do you want to speak to me in this moment? What do you want to do? That's the kind of people God is looking for, the worshipers he's looking for that say, I'm going to turn any ordinary situation into a moment of worship because I'm going to say, God, help me have your thoughts. Help me to see what you're seeing that I'm not. John 8, 31 through 32, um, Jesus said this. He said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. He says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. The truth's going to set you free. So in your life, if there are some things that have been holding you back, maybe some lies that have been spoken to you from others, maybe some hurtful words that have been, that kind of captured you, well, the, the way you win that is you have to replace that lie with something that's true. So when somebody says you're not good enough, what is God saying about you? I guarantee you saying, I made you, I made you in a specific way. You're good enough to accomplish things that I put in your life if you'll just trust me in this life. You're not capable. You're not smart enough, right? That's not true. God, God has the ability to lead you and help you in journey. So the lie would be whatever it is that has been spoken to us. We replace that with the truth that God says. Well, coming on Sundays is a part of that. But also it takes us saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to lead me on this journey as I read the Bible, as I talk with other small groups are important because we get, get face-to-face with other people, right? We ask questions and we learn together or we're learning these truths. It's important we have people around us that say, hey, that's not true. Like what have you been thinking about? Your spouse all this time, that's not even a completely true, truthful, true statement. You need to change the way you're thinking about that. You get people in your life that can encourage you and help you. Like it's not the end of the story. 
Like, it's not the worst case scenario yet. It could be a lot worse. Like, you have to learn to have people to say, it's, because it just says, it's the truth that will set you free. And this is why small groups, like my church, because we're, we're saying, here's the truth for your life. Yes, I know the world is saying all these things, but let me ask you a question. How is it working for them? When, when politics says this, this is how it's supposed to go, and how does it work? Maybe for a little while, as long as they have all the power they want, right? But then it changes and things don't, don't happen. Because our world systems, even the best of them, they don't work without God. And he says, if you will put other things above me, your life is not going to work. But if you learn to worship me, he says, know the truth. Let me, let me speak into your life. So if worship is the full life response, head, heart, and hands to, to who God is and what he's done, what would it look like this week to worship God with your mind? with your thoughts, with your intellect. What would that look like? See, because God is concerned about the external part of worship. That, that's important. But he's also concerned with what's happening on the inside. What are you thinking about? Because those thoughts inform our, our, um, our values, our intentions. And what we focus on gets us. And if the influences in your life are, are pointing to negative uh, ideas, um, you eventually have negative actions. So God is saying, if you will learn to just trust me in all areas of your life, if you'll put me first, have the right perspective, I'll help you on this journey. So my challenge this week is this. Uh, my challenge is, would you ask God to give you a new thought? Uh, would you ask God to give you a thought to replace whatever thought that it is that you're facing at the time? So today in this, in this service, whatever that thought is that you've been struggling with, would you ask God, God, would you help me have a new thought, a better thought, the right thought? Would you help me to see what I don't see? And then you don't just ask and pray that prayer. You actually then put feet to it and say, okay, God, now I'm going to pursue. Who do I need to talk with about this? What do I need to read? What influences? Who do I need to stop listening to or stop watching that's informing my thoughts? Because they're leading me somewhere. And the invitation is to say, now, now God, I'm going to put feet to this and start searching for those thoughts. Great place is the Bible. You say, God, what, what is it you want to speak to me? And on a daily, on a daily basis, you pull it out. And version app on our phones are great because you can listen to them while you're driving down the road. Every day, it'll give you a daily verse. That's a great way to meditate on the scripture, right? To say, all right, God, how can I fill my mind with this truth rather than cnn or fox news or pbs or whatever right how can i fill my my life with something that w- would help me rather than something that's going to just try to separate from others help me to minimize the influence in my life that lead me away because the truth is that the authority figures the people we celebrate the people we look up to those influences eventually will inform our values which will, will impact our behaviors and god is saying be careful of that because not all influences are good influences not all the voices that you listen to are going to lead you in the right direction and so he invites us to lead us, lead us on this journey, um, to, to trust him and to have new thoughts and better thoughts. Uh, what's really interesting is there's a word in the Bible called repentance. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for repentance means uh, to turn or to return. So the idea in, in the Bible is that you're on a path, and if this path is taking you away from God, if this path is taking you down uh, to, to something that's not healthy or good, the idea of repentance is saying, okay, I need to stop, and I need to turn or return back to God's way. And repentance means you make a U-turn and we start following God. Well, the New Testament, the same word, repentance, has, a, has the same idea but a, a different wording. If you're, if you're on this path that's not working, the word repent means to have a change of mind. That the thoughts that you're having are leading you down this path that you're on. And so the way to change that is you actually have to change your mind of saying, okay, I've been focused and thinking about this all the time. I need to change and, and have a new thought look in a different direction. And so, so essentially the Bible is saying you need to change your direction and, and trust God for the right direction. And, and, and part of that is starting with a new thought in our lives. So some of you in this room, you've been going your own way, your own direction. As you look around, it might be fun for a little while, but you know where it's heading. And God is saying, that's not going to work for you. It, it might be fun right now, but down the road, you're going to find some horrible situations, horrible outcomes. 
Let me give you a new thought how to think about things. The world tells you this way, but I'm telling you, would you trust me? I'll lead you in a better way. I know how you work. I know how you're designed. Let me lead you on this journey, on this path to a better you, a better, to the best life you could possibly live. And so some of us in this room, man, we need to repent. We need to change the direction. We need to change the things we've been thinking about. We need to say, God, give me a new thought. Give me a new direction. In fact, as we end our service today, um, have everybody close their eyes and bow their heads in a second. And I want to give you an opportunity, if you're here today, and your path is not going the right way, and you need to change that direction and turn around and go God's direction, I want to lead you in a prayer that will just help you to say, all right, today I make a decision. I'm turning away from that way, and I'm going God's way. The Bible says that if we'll confess our sins, right, if we'll declare that he is Lord in our lives and we'll put him as first, that he will, he will come and, um, and we believe that, he, that, he's, that he's God and he raised him from the dead, that he will bring salvation to us. He'll change us. He'll give us a new start. So today, do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head. And if that's you today, you're here. In a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say a prayer. And um, I'm not going to call you up to the front, but right there in your seat, just lead you in a prayer. Uh, but if that's you and... I'd love you to be brave enough and have enough courage to say, God, that's me. I'm going in the wrong direction, and I need to change my mind. I need to change my direction. So if you're here today and you would say, that's me, I need, I need a new direction, would you just lift your hand right there in your seat? I'll lead you to prayer. Say, God, that's me. See if you have quite a few hands. Yeah, thank you. As God's looking down, he's looking for those that say, now help you on this journey. Would you trust me? Don't go your own way. Let me lead you. Let me give you some new thoughts. Maybe else one more time. That's you. All right. For you that raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're a Christ follower in this room, would you pray with us? We're not praying alone. If you raise your hand, just say this prayer with me. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I cannot do it without you. Forgive me of my choices, of my sin, that have led me away from you. Today, I want to get on the right path. So I invite you into my life. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Become the Lord of my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have a new way back to you. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate all those that prayed that prayer. So good.